the Be True Chronicles by J.S. Blue. Chapter 1. The Clearing. Be True was flying, blissfully high up in the clouds, wind pushing against her face. As she looked below, she could see forests and lakes and tiny roads that looked like the lines on a map. She was so high up that big, puffy, white clouds she loved so much were thousands and thousands of feet below her. She could see their shadows moving slowly over the land. She was so happy and felt no fear as she flew across the blue sky, arms outstretched like a bird's wings. She could change directions and make loops. She could fly upside down, backwards, forwards. It was all so effortless for her. She started to make a large loop and was halfway through the loop facing up towards the endless blue sky when she felt something wet hit her face repeatedly. She also heard something. It was quiet, but audible. More water drops were hitting her face. She looked above again, but saw no rain clouds above her. All at once, Beetru realized she was dreaming, woke up, and quickly sat upright as a steady rain was now pouring down on her. She awoke to find herself in a small clearing amidst a large wooded forest. There was a damp chill in the air. Beetru was very confused. Where was she? Why was she outside? What had happened to her? She was still wearing the outfit she had on at dinner, a Sun Tribe 7 t-shirt under a light blue hoodie, dark blue jeans, and her gray and white sneakers. She couldn't tell if it was just past morning dawn or close to sunset as the rain clouds blocked the sun. Plus, she had no idea which way was north or south, east or west. She tried to remember how she got there, but her last memory was of sitting at dinner with her brother, Dante, and laughing at his hilarious, ridiculous jokes. There was no memory of anything that happened after dinner. Beatru was so focused on figuring out her situation, she had forgotten about the sound she'd heard in her dream. Beetru jolted up and turned around. She could not believe her eyes. Before her stood a large, majestic, Cyrenian hind, just like those her father used to describe in his wonderful Greek stories. It was a huge creature. She tried to scream but could not muster a sound, as though her tongue was frozen. She stood still, terrified, and marveled over the great hind in front of her that had been walking slowly towards her while she was asleep. The hind was a gorgeous, massive animal that stood several feet above Beetru. It looked like a deer, but 
much, much larger with massive golden antlers and shiny hooves that looked made of brass. The hind's hide was black as night and seemed to gleam in the rain-soaked light. The hind's eyes were large and illuminated in a warm golden glow. When Beetru had jumped around to face the hind, the hind had stepped back several feet but was again stepping towards her slowly. Her golden eyes appeared to hold fear. Beetru couldn't move. She remained petrified with shock and confusion. How is this possible? She thought to herself. And where is Dante? Beetru wanted to move backwards, away from the hind, but still could not move. The great hind got to within three feet of her when it stopped. There was a moment of silence. Beetru thought she heard something in the distance to her right. The hind stared deeply into Beetru's eyes, and Beetru stared back, fearful and confused. She didn't think the hind intended to eat her or hurt her. It could have done that while she was sleeping. But Beetru was still very frightened. Beetru was struggling to muster the strength and will to run away when over a small sloping hill to her right, Beetru could hear the sound of many footsteps approaching their position. The hind leaned forward without moving her hooves, as though her neck was stretching and extending. She got within a foot of Beetru's face and quietly but boldly whispered, They're coming for us. We must go right now. Beetru's eyes grew large. You could... Can talk? She asked, utterly baffled by this increasingly strange sensation. The hind turned its head towards the growing noise over the hill with a look of grave concern, then turned back to be true and said in a voice that sounded distinctly female, There's no time to explain. You must get on my back now. We must away. Beetru could feel her jaw hanging agape but still could not muster the will to move even an inch. The hind lowered its head so that its eyes were level with Beetru's. Climb upon me now, or this story ends for both of us. The reality of Beetru's very unbelievable situation finally snapped into focus, and she ran up the hind's lowered head between its golden antlers onto its back and turned around. Beetru sat down on the hind's head and grabbed a hold of the golden antlers. The growing sound of footsteps suddenly stopped. Beetru looked up at the top of the hill and saw why the hind was so urgent in her plea for them to leave. There were ten men lined up, side by side, standing atop the wooded hill in a line. Beetru knew at once they were soldiers. Each wore a golden helmet that covered their entire face. Their helmets had long slots with which to see out of, and each had a small red plume that stuck out of the top. The soldiers wore bright red robes adorned with decorative gold trim, and each one held a loaded bow, except for the soldier on the far right, who had a long golden trident in his left hand that extended past his head. Each of their arrows was aimed at the hind's head. The soldier with a trident raised his right arm above his head, fist clenched. As he did this, 
the other nine soldiers pulled back even further on their bowstrings. Bitru gasped. The hind's body tightened and got very low to the ground before springing nearly twenty feet horizontally to its right, away from the soldiers. Bitru grasped the antlers as tightly as she could to avoid being tossed off. The trident soldier dropped his right hand and the other soldiers released their arrows. Beatru could hear the arrows zip by within inches of her head. She crouched as low as possible upon the hind's large head. One of the arrows grazed the rear quarters of the hind, leaving a long cut in the hind's hide. It hissed angrily. It was moving at top speed now, zigging and zagging through the thick wood as the increasingly distant soldiers quickly reloaded their bows and shot again. But it was far too late. The hind was as fast as the wind and knew the wood well. The arrows fell to the ground well short of their target. The hind continued to push forward into the wood as fast as it could, and Beatru sensed the immediate danger was behind them for now. She felt slightly relieved, but still utterly baffled by the situation she found herself in. She was, after all, riding on the back of a Cyrenian hind, a mythical creature that should not exist, and one that could talk and had glowing golden eyes in a strange wood she was certain she'd never seen before in a land that felt distinctly different than anywhere she'd ever been before. She'd not even had breakfast yet. Uh, can you please slow down so that I can ask some questions, um, er, ma'am? Asked Beatru with trepidation. The hind only sped up faster and said nothing. Beatru was a very smart child. She kept her head low and considered a different approach to get the hind's attention. I really have to pee badly and don't want to have to pee on you. It was true. Beatru remembered drinking two large glasses of Dante's lemonade at dinner. She had no memory of using the restroom afterwards. Of course, she had no memory of anything between dinner and waking up in the rain. The hind maintained its high speed, but with winded breath said, If you must, then do so. We mustn't stop until we reach the clearing. The red men won't make it to the clearing any time soon, assuming they're still pursuing us, not without their horses. And those horses will be sleeping soundly for at least another four to six hours. We will be safe there, if only for a short while. Beatru frowned. She would hold her pee as long as she could. And though she was scared of the soldiers, the red men, and happy that the hind was moving away from them rapidly, she had a growing list of important questions that remained fully unanswered. She looked around the wood as it zipped past them. It was basically the same as any other wood she'd ever been in, but something about it felt very foreign to her. She loved the forest by her old house and had spent many days and nights hiking and camping there with Dante and her parents. She had hiked in many other woods her entire nine years of life, but this wood was something very different. 
She just could not figure out what was different. The thought of her parents made her sad, as it always did. The hind began to slow down as it started to tire out. We are getting close, said the hind in between gasps for air. The rain had stopped, but the sky remained overcast and gray. Beetroo concluded it was morning as it was getting brighter in the wood, but her sense of direction was still way off. Which direction are we headed? asked Beetroo. The clearing is to the west, said the hind. The trees began to thin out as the hind ascended a long stretch of land covered in tall grass that sloped gently upwards towards an edge in the distance that separated the land from the sky. There were only a few isolated trees and bushes around them now. They had reached the clearing. Here we are, finally, said the exhausted hind. She slowed to a trot and stopped just shy of the edge of a cliff, which gave way to an amazing view of a huge plain that stretched out towards a large mountain range in the great distance. There were only a few bushes and trees scattered across the flat plain. Beetroo thought it looked as flat as a tabletop. She could see a river snaking around towards the northwest and was instantly aware of a suddenly raging thirst. The hind lowered its head and Beetroo quickly stepped off. She ran to a bush nearby where she could properly manage her bathroom business. She felt much better and walked back to the hind who was cleaning its arrow wound with its tongue. Beetroo opened her mouth to ask the first of many questions when the hind turned to her and said, I know you have many, many questions, and I will happily answer each one of them once I know we are safely clear from the Red Men. We were fortunate my sleep spell worked on their horses this time. It doesn't always work, but they will come back for us with horses, larger numbers, and fire arrows. We will rest here for a few more minutes. Then we must go down the drop-off and out to the Great Plain as quickly as possible. The Plain is neutral territory, and most, generally, observe that law. Even the Dark Scourge and his Dark Agents. Beetru suddenly felt nauseous, and tears began to well up in her eyes. None of this made any sense to her, and she began to question whether or not this experience was just another dream a nightmare from which she would soon awake. She took a deep breath and held it as long as she could. She exhaled. She closed her eyes and took another huge breath and held it as long as she could. She exhaled again and then opened her eyes. The hind was still there, and she was still standing in the clearing. This was no dream, but it was very different, very different. She turned to face the hind. Who are you, and who are the red men? Why are they after you? Why are they after me? Is any of this actually real? asked Beetroo as calmly as she could, 
but failing mostly. The Hind walked over to Beetru and lowered her face down to Beetru's level. The Hind looked at her with its warm, golden eyes and said, My name is Cosima, Queen Cosima. And yes, all of this is real, as hard as I'm sure it is for you to believe right now. The Red Men are agents for the Dark Scourge, a very dangerous and powerful emperor who claims dominion over this part of the world. They are after me because I am the ruler over their greatest rival. They are after you because you hold the secret to their undoing. Bichu heard everything Queen Cosma had said to her. She'd heard it all clearly, but she felt one hundred times more confused and had at least one hundred more questions. But started Beetru before the hind interrupted her. Break is over, child. There is no time to waste, said Queen Cosima as she lowered her head to Beetru to climb up. Your Highness? asked Beetru. Please call me Cosima. I so detest the pettiness of titles. I was born a princess who later became a queen because of rules written by my ancestors many, many generations ago. Call me Cosima, and hold all your other questions until after we find safe shelter out on the plain. And please, remember to hold on tightly to my antlers as the trek down to the plain will be dangerous. We go now, with excessive haste, child. My name is Beetru. Yes, Beetru, I know your name. Now climb up. Beetru climbed back on top of Queen Cosma's head, and they began the descent from the clearing down a very steep and treacherous path cut into the cliffs and out to the plain. Beetru could see the sky starting to clear in the west and watched as a single sunbeam cut through an opening in the clouds. The sight of the sunbeam gave her the sense that things would eventually be okay. But she remained very confused, very scared, and very, very thirsty. She missed Dante. She missed her parents. I'm so thirsty, Cosima, said Beetru. I am too, Beetru. Please be patient, replied the queen. Within a minute or two, Beetru fell sound asleep on Queen Cosma's head, her hands still clasping the hind's antlers. End of chapter one.